Welcome to Living Box Free. Our mission is to help you break out of the box of worldly expectations. We're here to help you find your unique journey to a healthy, fulfilled life. Welcome back to Living Box Free. We are in our series, Who Dat? All About Relationships. Previously, we spent some time talking about relationships with our coworkers in teams, part one and part two. And today we are jumping into relationships with friends. Heyo. Heyo. We all like friends. So we're going to talk about uh, some key concepts with relationships in regards to friends. But first, what is on the rise for you this week, Ash? I feel like I've fallen into kind of, I'm in the quarantine eating patterns. I think we're a little rough and it was just what needed to happen. It was fine then, but I feel like I need to get back on board with what makes me feel the best. Mm -hmm. And so I think I'm going to go back to counting macros, which is basically counting like the grams of protein, carbs, and fat that you intake each day. So I think I'm going to go back to that and yeah, it'll be interesting. I love counting macros. I know it sounds Ugh. nerdy. <laughs> I I stopped when I got pregnant. Yeah. But it is, there's something, I don't know, there's something like fulfilling knowing that you've hit some targets for that day. It's that achiever in you. Oh yeah, that's it. <laughs> okay, that don't make sense. <laughs> I'm like, I met my goal for the day. I feel like I do really well with protein and carbs. It's the fat that's very hard for me just to stay under the number. Yeah. But Yeah. Well, maybe we'll do a future episode on nutrition. Maybe we will. Maybe we will. We could bring an expert in. Yes. I don't know where we could possibly find an expert on nutrition in this house. We'll just use ourselves as experiments. <laughs> uh, well, what what's on the rise for me this week? Uh, it's the end of July, and next Monday, we are actually, we've been planning for this big event at work, and it is welcoming 4,000 new employees from Bear Animal Health to Elanco. And part of my role since quarantine started has been all the little logistics in order for them to come over. And I mean, little logistics, little, just the tiny things, (laughs) the tiny little things. Where are they going to sit? Yes. Yeah. So all that onboarding. So I'm really excited. That's what's on the rise for me is all this hard work that our team has put towards bringing these 4,000 employees over. Finally, uh, next week will be day one and our company will be that much larger, which is exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, You know, you know, I like people. Yes. (laughs) But also that's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. They're not all in the U.S. Okay. All right. (laughs) You won't know them all. Yeah. So uh, as we jump into speaking of people, 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 we are going to talk about friendships and friendships. I mean, I, I think of friendships in the first few friends that we had growing up and just how precious it is to have people who you can enjoy life with, have fun, relate to people that support you and care about you. And they're not even related to you. And you just are like, you're just gravitate towards each other. Mm-hmm. And so I'm really excited for Ash. She's going to lead us through this as we talk about friendships, as it relates to one of those key relationships we have in our lives and, and the importance of them, how they work and what do we need to know in order to continue to cultivate healthy, deep friendships. Yeah. I think we should just start with defining friendship because I think most people define friends differently. I typically define a friend as someone that invests in me. Like I invest in a lot of people, but I wouldn't necessarily consider them my friends unless they're investing back in me. But that's not necessarily a, you know, universal 
definition of friendship. Actually, how would you define friendship? I'm I know. I was just now. thinking, speaking of strengths finder, woo was one of my top ones at yes. one point, winning others over where you don't know a stranger. Yeah. <laughs> so my definition of friendship is, I'm sure, much looser yes. than Ash's. I think of people that I just enjoy to hear how their life's going yeah. and catch up. And usually it's people that I'm working out with uh, side by side. But when I think of like true deep friendships, true deep friendships, I would define them as people that I can be completely vulnerable with and people that can see, you know, backstage, behind the curtain, yeah. the good and the bad. That would be deep relationship friendships for me. Um, however, my, my instinct first is like, oh, yeah, they're my friend, but I might only talk to them 30 minutes once a week <laughs> at the gym. Yeah, That's my natural instinct. Right. But when I really think about it, it's probably more of the, the people who see every side of you. Right. And like you said, they care about you and their investment in you could just be supporting you through the good and the bad. Yeah, I think that's a great, you covered most of the bases. So we're going to talk about, I'm going to reference a whole bunch of studies. I went down a, a, a research rabbit hole yesterday. Oh my gosh. There is so much fun research out on relationships and friends, friendships. If you are a research person, this is a fun thing to hop in on. It's because, a gold mine man, out there. Is there is a lot. It, there's a lot. <laughs> but um, I'm going to reference a few specific studies. I probably won't name them just because that's not super helpful, but we'll put them in the podcast notes. So and according to one study, the three basic characteristics of a friendship, so they define it as this, to call someone a friend, the relationship must be long-lasting, it must be positive, and it must involve cooperation. So yeah, when you talked about like the people you work out with, but you, you, know, you might not see them again for yeah. weeks or months or whatever, yeah, you're not really having that long-lasting you are getting the positive side of things and maybe even some cooperation, like if they're listening to you and supporting you, but the long lasting piece is missing. So you can have different parts of it without having all three. Uh, one fun fact, they figured this out. So people didn't used to study friendship because it was so ambiguous. They felt like it just, it's kind of, it's not like family, which is a specific social structure. So, and it's not coworkers. So they didn't really study it because they didn't really know how to define it. And then animal researchers decided that friendship is a key way that we survive and that animals survive by creating those connections with specific people. And they have that long lasting, positive, cooperative relationship. So if it is thanks to baboons that, <laughs> that, we, baboons. Have, that we have these <laughs> studies on friendship. So I just thought that was interesting. That is really interesting. So that article goes on to explain how to create those kinds of relationships. And they discuss basically investing time accentuating the positive and being helpful. So those are kind of the three main concepts that they would put into that definition. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of flying through these points here because I feel like we know what friends are, but I just want us to understand what, like have this um, shared language for what we're talking yes, about here. I love that. So research, wow, I can't say that word anymore. Research shows that on average, we each have about five people in our lives that meet that criteria. What? I know. Oh, <laughs> my mind is blown. So you only have five <laughs> friends, Becky. Oh my gosh. If you had to have me make a list of only five people, that yeah. would cause me so much anxiety. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So they say typically on average that that is true. So you might have closer to 10. Some people might have two, but that is the average of the number of people at any given time. And I do remember reading, I couldn't find this yesterday. I, I didn't look for super long, but I do remember reading. So if someone wants to go and research it and find it for me, 
that your friend circle, so those five people, tend to rotate out every seven years, which is just has more to do with your stage of life and the moves we tend to make and job changes and that kind of thing than anything else. So it tends yeah. to be circumstantial, but you can have those specific people that due to the long lasting stay in your circle more than seven years. Yeah. Maybe that's where I struggle too. Cause I think even just yesterday I talked to a friend from Kansas and we probably talk like maybe three, four times a year, Yeah, but we're not physically together a lot. But when we talk, it's for hours. Yes. So, so yeah, I wonder if she would be in that five or if it's more of a rotation, but we're just keeping that connection. Yeah. And that might have to do with, um, the cooperative aspect. So is she able to help you practically? Are long distance relationships helpful? Some of them can be like Mm -hmm. if you're just emotionally supporting each other, not just, that's not a just thing, but like if, yeah, what cooperation that provides makes a difference. And there's also some discussion of whether or not introverts and extroverts have the same number of friends. So you, you might really have more than five and they might have fewer than five. So we talked about this in our intro episode, but according to a lot of our research, um, or a lot of the research done, I, it's not our research, our friendships and social networks are directly related to our well-being and happiness. So I'm going to read a few quotes from one particular study about this three specific ways that having a richer network of friendships brings more satisfaction and happiness. So first one, relationships, being key players in affirming an individual's sense of self, satisfy the basic human need for belongingness. There's a word for you, belongingness, and are a source of positive affirmation. The levels of subjective well-being increase with the number of people an individual can trust and confide in and with whom he or she can discuss problems or important matters. End of quote. I think that's interesting because the more people you have that fit that criteria of being long-lasting, being positive, being cooperative, the higher your well-being. Isn't that fascinating? That is really cool. And and it's so funny because I feel like we talk about well-being a lot especially in the corporate world about employees, but friendships don't really come up that often. Yeah. We talk about, talk about like relationships, but yeah, I, I think that's very intriguing and it, and it makes sense. I mean, I love people and having more people that, you know, you could trust or rely on it. Yeah. It's almost like that foundation of, of happiness and peacefulness. Yeah. If I, if I got my car broke down, I have multiple people I could call. Exactly. So you have more resources. So that's we're, we'll get mm. to that. So second, the, the second quote is, the presence of social relationships has positive impacts on mental and physical health, contributing to an individual's general well-being, whereas the absence of social relationships increases an individual's susceptibility to psychological distress. End of quote. So I don't, have you heard people talk about how loneliness is actually more damaging to your health than overeating or alcoholism? Like it's actually more damaging to your cardiovascular health Wow. than to be lonely than to eat ice cream and drink soda every day. I, I haven't heard all of those statistics, but I have heard here recently more people, especially during this pandemic, talking about loneliness and for, as it relates to animal health, that like the pet connection as well. So humans, yes. but pets and how, how damaging loneliness can be to your mental health. Mm-hmm. And so it just, I guess, yeah, if it's damaging your mental health, your physical health, that totally makes sense too. Exactly. 
And then the third is what you were talking about, which is a resource pool. So it's emotional support, company, physical help, economic assistance, advice, that kind of thing. So the quote is, in a wider perspective, social relationships serve as buffers that diminish the negative consequences of stressful life events, such as bereavement, rape, job loss, and illness. The perceived availability of support or received support from others may indeed lead to a more benign appraisal of a negative situation, end quote. So true. So basically, even if you don't actually use the support, the perceived availability of that support when you hit stressful life situations, because we all hit stressful life situations, knowing that there are people there that could help you actually helps you look at it differently, changes your perspective on how bad the situation is. Yes. That makes me think of last, last week, uh, I had uh, such a long day at work and it was the evening time and I text Ash and a couple other friends and I was like, I'm not going to be at the gym. I had a crazy day. I'm exhausted. I'm overwhelmed. And I remember Ash texts back, what can we do for you? Yeah. Do you need anything? And, and I, I didn't, I just need to be alone yeah. <laughs> and go to bed early. Yes. However, once again, it just, it made you feel good knowing you had that person, that resource, that support system. So, so that's a, to me, that's an example. Oftentimes for me, it's, I don't necessarily need something, but knowing I have people I can confide in and they are there for me if I need it, that, that helps me look at that situation differently and be grateful. Yeah, Absolutely. So basically friendships defined as the family you choose, they provide belonging and make you more healthy and provide resources you need to deal with the stress of life. And belonging um, is something that Brene Brown talks about a lot. So if you want to hear more about belonging and that basic human need, I would really recommend. She has a Netflix special. She has a couple of TED Talks, multiple books, great stuff about belonging. So there are a whole bunch of other things we could talk about, social proximity effect, mere exposure effect. Basically, there are dozens of studies that say you're more likely to make negative decisions if your friends do. That old saying of like, if your friends jump off a bridge, would you? And a lot of people I know are like, mom, I'd be the first person jumping off the bridge. My friends would be after me, you know, like <laughs> way to be a leader. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm the one taking them off the bridge. Oh my gosh. Um, so you're impacted by the decisions and actions of people around you, which we all know. Like if you're, if you're trying to lose weight and mm-hmm. stay to a specific eating plan and someone else eats in front of you, like we all know that that makes it harder. Yes. We recognize that. And so recognize that in, in friendships in particular is really interesting, surrounding yourself with people who have the same values or at least are willing to support you in those values. Plus, when you're in a relationship with someone, I think this is really important right now in our current culture, and we kind of are in a hate culture right now. So Michelle Obama has this great quote. She says, people are hard to hate, close up, move in. Isn't that amazing? Simple and powerful. I know. It's really hard once you get to know people, once you see their dirty laundry, you know, literally, figuratively, whatever, you understand why they are the way they are, the decisions they make. It's really hard to hate them. Mm -hmm. And it can really build our sense of community, even if you don't form that lasting friendship, but build our sense of community. It's such a mature statement. I think so many people, it's easy to sling, sling mud and say bad things. And you really don't even know, know the other person. Yeah. All right. So that's why we need friendships. Basically, bottom line, we need community. They're important. So should we just wrap up? (laughs) Enough enough said. Enough said. (laughs) Well, okay. I guess we can talk a little more. Let's talk about how to maintain friendships. So I found so many studies, so many different things, but I ended up deciding, you know what? 
this is our podcast. I'm going to talk about my experience. So here are the three basic things that I have discovered in friendship. So number one, expectations. Whew. We've talked about expectations before. Knowing what you expect from someone else is really, really important because if, you, if your unmet expectations can cause anger, hurt, pain, frustration, especially if you don't know how to voice those things. And I mean, it can be as simple as, hey, you're not usually on time when you meet up with me. And that communicates this to me. That's an expectation that I have as a friend. And I think we have expectations. We talk about expectations within family a lot, um, especially like with parents, like, you know, my, my parents expect me to come visit or whatever it is. But I think when it comes to friends, it's a little bit harder to define. I don't mm-hmm. know. Do you feel like you have expectations of your friends? I feel like oftentimes if I do, they're unspoken more often. So like you even talked about timeliness. <laughs> And I, this goes back to crucial conversations. I'm a master of masking things with humor. So I can be like, oh gosh, so nice of you to show up and join (laughs) us (laughs) versus plainly. So that's something I need to practice. Yeah. In relationships, plainly being like, Hey, if I say two 30 and, and it's totally fine. But if that's like, if you're all, if you being 15 minutes late is consistent, I hope you aren't offended if I start saying two 15 or yeah. So, so I think expectations, we do have them for friendships and probably don't even realize it. it could be subconscious, but, but recognizing those. And I think it's important, you know, for me, it takes a lot to, you know, get me riled up, but if there's something that upsets me to make sure to communicate that. But for the most part, like I think other expectations for friends, like I don't expect you to respond to a text right away. Yeah. Like I'm not offended if it takes you even a day or whatever. Right. So some of those, but other friends you might need to, they might feel like, that might be an expectation that they have yes. is that you respond immediately or, or as fast as you can. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's communicating that there's something wrong. I, I have a friend right now who she just straight up told me she showed me her phone, which she had like 39, I think, unread text messages. And she was like, you can text me and I will read it, but I'm probably not going to get back to you. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't text me. And I was like, OK, thank you for setting that expectation yes. that you are probably not going to get back to me. I appreciate that. And there are other ways that I need to get hold of you. So that's, that's good to know. Yeah. yeah super helpful. I think even in the ways that we communicate care, which we'll get to, Mm -hmm. but like having those expectations of how people will do that. Um, for instance, I tend to feel much more cared for when people ask how I'm doing, like, how was your day? How Mm -hmm. did this go? I remember you had this thing, how, what happened, you know? Um, and when people don't do that, like, especially if they just dive into what they need from me, then that causes, angst in me or uncertainty or frustration. And so that's an expectation that I have that typically, you know, not always, but typically like we have a moment of actually connecting, how am I doing? And then we can move on to whatever task is at hand. So that's an expectation for me. Yep. That's good. I even think made me think of my sister and her roommate, their friends and her roommate when they, he, he first moved in, kept buying stuff for them like buying a new grill or Mm -hmm. buying new pots and pans and whatever. And it made my sister feel so guilty Yeah, because gifts is not a love language of hers. And here's a roommate that's trying to save money and they're spending all this money. And so she had a conversation like, Hey, I don't need you to buy me a new fishing pole or (laughs) I don't need like, don't buy me anything. Like let's just eat dinner together. 
on Wednesday nights or whatever. Yep. Uh, and, and once again, meeting in the middle expectations, like if gift giving is something that her roommate needs to do as a friend, then that's, you know, you meet in the middle, something that, that for her yeah. to understand. But she was like, Oh my gosh, I feel guilty. Mm-hmm. I don't need this person spending money on me. It's not an expectation to be my friend. You don't have to buy me things. Right. Just spend time with me. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, making sure you talked about meeting in the middle, making sure it's balanced. And that's not just in communicating expectations, but also, you know, in, in your interactions, am I supporting you as much as you're supporting me? And there are, we've talked about this multiple times. There are seasons. Sometimes that happens. There are seasons when you just have to support someone else and then they'll come back and support you when you need them or, you know, whatever that looks like. But over time, over the general period of time of your friendship, is there a balance there? And I think that's a fair expectation for everyone to have of their friends. Yes. I, that's been hard. I feel like for me, the older I've gotten, I have seen relationships where it is more one-sided. And when you do, you talk about the seven-year cycle, you do have to evaluate, like, where am I going to invest more time? It the older you get, the more you realize, wow, like this person also has an equal care or investment in me. And so prioritizing those friendships over some others where it might be more one-sided. And that's hard because I love people and I want everyone to be my friend, but you know, sometimes people, it, it, yeah, it's just, it's just one-sided and it can be more draining than rejuvenating. For sure. Okay. So this, that was the first thing, expectations, and these all kind of build on each other. So communication I mean, we keep talking about this dialogue, so important and trying to figure out, okay, what am I feeling? How do I communicate it? And communicating your expectations. Like you can understand your expectations, but if you don't communicate them, there's, that's really not that helpful. Like if Mm -hmm. you, yeah, if you have a friend that's always late and you're not communicating that that's a problem, but you know that it's a problem, that's really not helpful. And it's not the relationship. It just isn't going to last. And it might be that the other person would be like, oh, that's something I can fix. Or let's, you know, meet in the middle somehow and fix that. So communication, communicating your expectations, Uh, asking questions. Some people are really, really naturally good at this. I think you're naturally good at this, Becky. Do you think you are? I mean, I love the question game. Yeah. (laughs) Like, seriously, I could just sit and like talk through questions and I, I just, I don't know. It intrigues me to hear how different people respond to different scenarios. Yeah. Like I love, I would totally best gift ever. One of those huge question books from Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. <laughs> just a whole bunch of <laughs> random questions. So maybe, maybe I, uh, maybe I'm just naturally good at asking them or maybe I've read too many books and have a whole bunch of them <laughs> yeah. preloaded in my mind. But I do, I love questions and I think that's where you grow so much in a relationship because you learn about people and their background, their experiences or how they approach things and might approach it differently. Once again, asking questions not to judge, but just to learn about yes. one another. Yes. And I think that's a key kind of partner with the, with asking questions is listening. So learning how to actively listen, which is to receive without wanting to respond, which again, we've talked about, yes. but like listening to understand instead of listening to respond. And then sometimes I will just say, okay, let me think about that for a second because I want to ask another question but I didn't want to think about the question while you were talking. So um, taking a moment to just say, oh, let me sit with that for a second and then ask a follow-up question or a clarifying question. Hey, when you said this, where did that come from? Or Mm -hmm. what experience in your life made you say that? Or yeah, there are so many different questions. You can pick up books that those often are very helpful of conversation starters or Mm -hmm. clarifying questions. So listening, very key 
to friendships. Yeah. I'll, I'll throw one example out there. And, and I think it goes back to stages in life. And you talk about friends coming in at different, different stages of life too. And so now that Tristan and I are expecting our first kid, I've really reconnected more frequently with friends from Kansas who have children yeah. and asking questions. I've been asking them about their experiences because even when they had kids and I asked, how's it going? It wasn't as detailed or I didn't know what all it entailed. Right, as you didn't know what to ask. Yeah, compared to now. And what I also love is those friends, a couple of them, Emily and Sarah, two specifically I've talked to a lot. They're, they always say up front, their expectation is that I don't, I don't have to do it the way they did it. They're just sharing their experience. That's and super helpful. Yes, and they're like, you will find what works for you. And so I love that they even state that up front as we've talked about being parents and, you know, raising an infant, a tiny human. So that these two things, expectations and also asking questions, even recently with reconnecting with some friends who are parents, uh, they've done a really good job of sharing experiences and not expect, they're not telling you what to do, but it's just nuggets to use if you want to use them. Yeah, absolutely. So the last piece of communication that I was thinking about is conflict resolution. Man, we've been talking about this a lot, I feel like, on the podcast right now. And we talked about crucial conversations specifically and how to talk through those. I think it's just that common misconception that conflict is bad, that conflict is a bad thing. And it's not. It just it just happens. And how we work through it determines how well the relationship is going to go. Mm-hmm. And can we work through it? Are we both willing to put in the work to figure out how to understand each other and how to come to some sort of an agreement. Yep. My little brother and I had a conversation. We had some some conflict over over the the whole shutdown quarantine stuff and we had a conversation and it really came down to, you know what? Conflict can either it can destroy a relationship or it can make it even deeper. Yes. And we decided, you know, to have that dialogue and try to truly listen and understand each other and grow in our relationship. And that, using that conflict as a mechanism to help us get deeper. Yeah. Whereas some people see it and it's a, I'm going to avoid or I'm going to dismiss this relationship because I just want to, I don't want to have to handle it. Yeah. And it's hard, but it's worth it if you, if you approach it and both people are open-minded. Yeah. I think I said the other day on Instagram when you, you posted something about conflict and I said, I, I hate conflict. I really do. I hate it, but I love my friends more. I love my friends more than I hate conflict and I, I, I don't want to have those hard conversations, but they're worth it. That's a good reminder. And they do get yeah. easier. They really do. Like once you start having those, you start understanding how you work in conflict and how you can enter into those conversations well and not be defensive and listen well and come to an understanding. And so it does get, it really does. I promise it gets easier. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the third thing here is showing love or care. And this is why we talked about love languages before we started this, because everyone receives care differently. I mean, there are some things across the board, but they're basically the five love languages, and we each understand care differently. And I think part of friendship is communicating in a way that someone understands that you care about them. And that can be pretty tricky, especially in more complicated relationships, like a a guy and a girl who are friends. Um, it can be complicated, like if she's a, a gift giver, like, you know, it, it gets a little bit messy, but trying to come up with creative ways to communicate care to your friends. And I think time investment that we talked about at the beginning of this episode and that long lasting friendship, that time, it comes up as quality time when you talk about the love languages, but it really is just 
on getting to know someone, getting to know how they work. And the more you understand someone, the closer you can be and the more supportive they're going to be to you and the better your well, well-being and happiness is going to be. So it's, mm-hmm. it's really kind of a basic, it's not easy, but it is a basic equation. More time, more listening equals closer relationship equals more well-being for you. It's just, it's not that complicated. Yeah. And, <laughs> and the more well-being I feel like is, is an addition to how a lot of us approach this or real thought about relationships. We've always thought, oh, okay, yeah, deeper relationship. But ultimately, yeah, that is improving your well-being and happiness. Yeah. I'd love to talk. I didn't have this to talk about, but I'd love to talk about long-distance friendships for a second because you've talked about your Can- Kansas friends. Mm-hmm. I, my best friend lives in Massachusetts. I have friends all over the country, actually all over the world. And so, so popular. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> popular. I'm an introvert. Remember, I have like two friends. Um <laughs> So, yeah, how to maintain those relationships? What are there creative ways that you use or do you really just talk to them like a few times a year and that that works for you? Mine are sporadic. Okay. There I do not have a structure for for my long distance relationships yeah. personally. Oftentimes, like just yesterday, one of my friends who I connected with, I I, I walked the dog, I had an hour before I was going to go to your house. <laughs> I walked the dog for an hour while talking to her. And she was driving, so she had texted me earlier and said she had a commute. And, I mean, it does not always match up that well. Uh, This week I have time off, so I'm able to do that. But trying to find those moments to leverage time, especially with long-distance relationships, for me, I know it's going to be an hour at least because we don't get to talk as much. And so for me, it makes it a little bit more difficult because sometimes the end of the day, 8 p.m., I'm shutting down for the day and my mind isn't there to truly be totally present and listening. So I try to schedule those and find good times where my mind is firing on all cylinders and I can be present and really connect at a deep level. But I would say, yeah, a lot of my long distance relationships, it's probably depends on the people, but it's probably anywhere from two long calls per year to maybe once every month. Yeah. And it just, it depends on the people and it depends on their availability too. Yeah. But you're talking about that investment of time, which is cooperation on your part. Like you're investing time in order to be supportive to them, Mm -hmm. to understand each other better. So that you're still talking about that investment. And yeah, I think I have a few, a few different ways that I do it. I mean, the Marco Polo app, they're, they're kind of changing it, but I've been using it. Um, I have a group of friends that I met when I first joined staff with crew and we, we send each other the short videos on Marco Polo pretty often, like a couple times a week. Um, I actually hate that app, but I love my friends. <laughs> you love your friends more than you I hate the app. I love my friends more than I hate the app. Um, so that's, you know, you can use those kinds of creative ways, even Snapchat or, you know, um, you can use those creative technologies. Great for helping us keep in touch, but it still requires time and attention. And uh, there are other simple things like I'd like writing cards, writing cards to friends and mailing them. Um, even friends that live in town, it's kind of fun to just You're good at that. drop it in the mailbox, you know? So taking those moments, it doesn't take very long to write a card, just grab an index card, mm-hmm. write a quick note. Hey, thinking of you, that's it. Drop it in the mail. It doesn't take long. So that kind of investment, it means that you were thinking of them and you care. That's really all it is. Before we end, we just have to, we have to address the elephant in the room, which is that this is hard. 
friendship is hard. It is. Yeah. It's challenging. Like we have, we have conflicts. We get into arguments. We have our own insecurities, which is why we started with talking about ourselves, talking about self-knowledge before we moved into a relationship because we bring our issues into every relationship that we're in. Coworkers, marriage, parents, whatever it is, we bring those issues in. And so we have our own insecurities and it, it just goes back to knowing yourself and knowing, okay, this friend is doing something that's bothering me. Is this actually about what they're doing or is this something that bothers me about me? And so that's causing me to, to be annoyed by them. T- pausing to take that moment of self-reflection and saying, what is it in me that is causing this conflict or causing this issue or making me not want to reach out to them or whatever it is and taking the, that time to understand what's going on. Yeah. And it's, it's what you just described. It's recognizing you are, you have a role and you play, you know, you play a role in this. It's not always, I think sometimes people think, oh, why did they do this? Or why did they say this? But being reflective, looking inward and saying, okay, I might've taken this the wrong way because I'm insecure about such and such. Yeah. So making sure that you recognize you, your, your perspective plays a piece in that as well. Yeah. Well, that's really all I have to say. Friendships are never finished. So keep working on them because that increases your own well-being and happiness. Science proven. Beautiful. I think that's why I love CrossFit so much. Mm-hmm. So many, so many people, friendships to form accountability. Yes. Yes. So friendships, we know, I mean, we start at such a young age building friendships and there's always room to improve. Once again, how, how do we communicate expectations, communication in general, uh, and then also thinking through how do you show love and care to those friends? And, you know, you might have some baller friends today, but, you know, maybe think about how can we even improve, improve these friendships even more and how can I contribute? So in this, this series who dat? We're going to continue talking about relationships. So far, we've talked about coworkers. We had two episodes on teams. This one on friendships. Mm-hmm. The next one is going to be on parenting. Yes. Yes. Because we are both experts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't worry. We might be having some uh, some outside uh, some outside commentary for this one. I'm actually really excited for this one. I think it's going to be really fun. Yes, I agree. So join us next week as we talk about the next piece in relationships all focused around parenting. Ayo. Ayo. <laughs> Bye guys. Thanks for joining us on Living Box Free, put on by On The Rise Group. Follow or subscribe to Living Box Free on Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, iTunes, or Google Play to hear our new episodes every Monday as well as our bonus episodes. You can learn more about our services at ontherisegroup.com. Also follow us on Instagram and Facebook at On The Rise Group. We hope you'll tune in next time for more helpful content.